Welcome to another inspirational message from Elam Church, Christchurch City. For more information and great content, jump over to our website at elamchurchchristchurchcity.org. We hope you enjoy this message. This morning, I have titled my message, The God Who Sees. Have you ever been in a crowded room and in that moment, you couldn't be more alone or felt more alone than you were in that place? Or have you ever gone to work feeling exhausted because you're up all night um, with a sick child? Or have you ever had to go without so that your children could go to, could go to school with a lunch for that week? Well, as mums, we can sometimes feel like no one understands the pressures and worries that we um, face and have to deal with every day. Or feel like, you know, people don't see the struggles that we're going through on our own. Well, I just want to encourage us this morning with a message about a God who sees. And in every season of motherhood, in every season of life, God sees, He knows, He cares. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we just pray right now that as I speak these words, Lord, you will just um, reveal yourself to um, each and every one here. May they receive a fresh revelation of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, team. Now, this morning, we're going to look at a story from 1 Kings 17. Um, and the story is about Elijah and a widow of Z- from Zarephath. Now, just to give a little bit of background to the story, for several years, the nation of Israel had had one evil king after another, and they just carried on the sins of their fathers before them. And at this time when the story takes place, there is a man named Ahab who is king of Israel. Now, Ahab is married to a woman by the name of Jezebel, and she is just as evil as her husband. Um, It says in the chapter before our um, passage, Ahab did more to arouse the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than any of the other kings of Israel before him. So God was not happy with Ahab, and so he sends the prophet Elijah to this king Um, with this message. He says, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God whom I worship and serve, there will be no dew and no rain during the next few years unless I give the word. And then the Lord sends Elijah um, to hide by a brook, and God provides for him and looks after him until the brook dries up. So we pick the story up from 1 Kings 17, verse 8. And it goes, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, Would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he calls out to her, bring me a little bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house 
and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal for me and my son, and I will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. And she did as Elijah said. And her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. So of all the places that God could have sent Elijah, God sent him to Zarephath. My question is, why do you think he sent him there? My first thought from this passage is God sees us. You know, there were so many needy, needy widows across the nation of Israel, and God could have sent Elijah to any one of them, but he didn't. God sent Elijah to this Gentile widow with a son who lived outside of the territory of God's people. The village of Zarephath lies south um, of a city called Sidon. Now, Sidon is where the king's wife Jezebel was from. So that alone also brought its own risk because Elijah was hiding from King Ahab and Jezebel. The widow from Zarephath was not a believer. And after Elijah asks for water, he stops her in her tracks and, and says, can you bring me a bite of bread too. And she responds by saying in verse 12, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. She didn't say, I swear by the Lord my God or our God. She said, I swear by the Lord your God. She wasn't a believer. And she could very well have been a Baal worshiper because that was the practice in that territory. But she does acknowledge here also that she recognized Elijah as a prophet, a prophet of God, the God of Israel. Now, God chose someone that, I mean, I think if it was up to you and I, we probably wouldn't have even considered her as someone um, that we would send Elijah to, because in our own human thinking, we would have thought she probably wouldn't have made the cut or, you know, been considered as someone worthy to, re to receive Elijah. But this story, it just reaffirms that we all matter to God. You know, no matter who we are or where we're from or in what season of life we find ourselves in, we matter to him. Just like the story Jesus tells about the lost sheep in Luke 15. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 and go into the wilderness and search for the one that's lost until he finds it. And in verse 7, in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over the one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over the 99 others who are righteous in heaven straight away. Elijah was sent to this widow of Zarephath because even the foreigner, 
the needy, the disadvantaged, even the unbeliever matters to God. God saw her just as he sees us. No one goes unnoticed to God. We are his creation. We're the apple of his eye. God sees us in every season of life that we face, both the good and also in the difficult ones as well. So when those challenging times hit, we need to keep reminding ourselves that God is bigger than any obstacle we will ever face. You know, shortly after Noor and I were married, um, when we were still living in Wellington, uh, Noor went into full-time study, which is now known as Elam Leadership College. And, um, and what happened was when he went into a full-time study, we, re- we ended up having to survive on my income. And before we got married, that income was just mine. So it was, you know, comfortable. It was, it was, it was, um, <laughs> I survived quite nicely. <laughs> but when that one income then had to support the both of us, well, it was no longer comfortable. <laughs> so whenever payday was about to roll around, I would sit down and I'd do the calculations of our bills and work out whether we're going to have enough money. And some weeks it, it was fine, but then in other weeks it just wasn't. And I tell you what, though, my prayer life increased considerably over that time because we knew that the decision for Noor to go into full-time study was what he had called us to do in that season of our lives. And so we had to just trust that God was going to make sure that we would be okay. So as the weeks went by and we reached the end of another year of his study, I'd look back and think, man... You know, how did we do it? You know, because clearly when I was doing it, the calculations on paper, it shouldn't have been, it shouldn't have worked out that we were able to make payments, yet God came through. And, and you know, we were able to make those payments. And I was just so thankful, you know, that when we stepped out in faith and we obeyed and trusted God, he provided. So when we're faithful with what we have, God is able to use it exceedingly and it totally exceeding our own expectations. So church, I just want to encourage us all today that God sees us, he knows, and he cares. Amen? Amen. So what else do we see in this passage? Well, what I found is that God works with what we have. Sometimes I think we tend to doubt ourselves too much and we feel like we don't have what it takes. But we just need to know and just need to let God work with whatever it is that we have, no matter how small, just like God did with the widow's handful of flour and little bit of oil. Just like how Jesus did with the lunch of a young boy where he fed um, the 5,000 with just five loaves and two fish. So with a little bit of portion that each one had, God used it and he multiplied it. Jesus, when he was teaching his disciples in Matthew 17, he said to them, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. God can take the little that we have and bring about a totally different outcome. Our job is to trust him 
with what we have because he has shown time and time again that what we have is more than enough. You know, we who are followers of Christ, we have the Holy Spirit within us. So when we step out in faith and trust in the Holy Spirit, the helper who was sent to take the place of Jesus, just remember that he is in your situation with you. He's there for us. So talk to the Holy Spirit and just let him guide you when you step out in faith. In the book of Exodus, we read about a woman named Jochebed. Now, Jochebed was the mother of Moses. And at, that, at the time of this story, um, Pharaoh felt threatened um, by the Israelites because they were actually growing in population really, really fast. And so he sent this order out, and he says, all the newborn Israelite boys would be thrown into the Nile River. And when Jochebed, Moses' mother, heard this, she was pregnant, and eventually she gave birth to a baby boy. So she was able to hide him for the, for the first three months of his life. But then after that, she had to fully surrender her trust over to God. She had done everything she could with what she had, and now she had to trust God with her baby's life. So she um, gets a basket, and she makes sure that it's all waterproof, and she puts her wee baby into this basket and floats it down the Nile River. And then she sends um, big sister Miriam to go and, and watch this basket from a distance and just keep an eye on him. And then soon afterwards, um, Pharaoh's daughter comes down to the river and, um, and goes in and bathes. And she spots this uh, basket floating down the river. And she sends her maid to go and get it. And then she brings the, box up to, the basket up to her. And when she opens it, she sees this probably screaming at the top of his lungs, little baby in this basket. And then good old Miriam runs in and says, oh, do you want me to go and find a Hebrew mother to look after this baby? And she's like, yes, go and, get, go and get one of those Hebrew mothers. So Miriam races off and she gets her mum. She brings her mum back to Pharaoh's daughter. And Pharaoh says, look, will you look after this wee one and nurse him for me and I will pay you for your help. So Moses' mother takes this baby and, um, and heads off home. And you can imagine, like, um, you can imagine Jochebed walking down the street with, with Miriam next to her, clutching her baby and just feeling overwhelmed. I reckon she would have gone through so many different emotions. She would have probably been in tears because she was relieved that she was no longer having to worry about her son. And then the, and then the, the laughter would have come to the joy. So, you know, lots of emotions going on. But one thing is for sure is that she would have been so grateful that God saved her son. Now, I know as a mum, and I'm sure all of you do too, that when we face um, challenges that have to do with our own children. It's like this motherly instinct just kicks in. It's like you become a machine. <laughs> and, it, and it's like, you know, um, watch out all, you, all the guys, you know, make way, this woman is on a mission. And, you know, it's like you will do anything and everything possible in our power to fix it or to find a way to work it out ourselves. 
Just like Moses' mother, when we reach the end of our own ability, the end of our own resources, the end of our own strength, it's important to not let fear take control. You know, because fear can cause us to make very unwise and premature decisions. Whereas if we go to faith, faith will always give us the confidence to trust God and to trust that he will do everything that needs to be done in his timing and not ours. So when there's nothing left in us, when we've reached the end of ourselves, we need to go to God. So when Jochebed, when she put her trust in God, not only did she receive her son back into her care um, for her to raise herself, the princess also paid her to look after her son. So in raising Moses, she, was, um, she would have instilled in him those values that were important to her. And those first few years of any baby's life is so, so crucial. Jochebed would have embraced it, teaching him and exposing him to all the things of God because he, she knew that when he would then grow up, he would have those things remain at the core of who he is. And you know, when Elijah arrived into that village, I couldn't help but think and wonder whether he actually looked around to see if there was another widow. Because when he saw this widow, she would have looked weak and feeble, and he probably wondered, how on earth is this woman going to provide for me, let alone herself? You know, Elijah also had to trust God, because in the natural, he was probably thinking, how is this going to work? I think I'm going to outlive that woman. But that's why we just need to let God be God. Let him take the reins and work it out for good because we all know that if it's in our hands, it never, ever, ever works out how it should be. So be encouraged that no matter how small or insignificant something appears to you, God will always work, the, work with it with what we have. Amen? Hey, look, my final thought from this passage today is that God wants you to know him. God wants you to know him. Now, when we first meet this woman, it's been several months since the drought hit and the famine is now rampant across the land. And this woman is collecting sticks and she appears really poor. Yet, she may not have been that way before the famine. When this woman's husband died, um, he would have left her and her son with a modest house. They may have had a few olive trees um, on their property, and they may have even had a small barley field growing a short distance from the house. Who knows? But whatever she had, when the drought hit that land, she would have done everything possible to make the food from the produce from the land, to make the water last for as long as it could. She would have been frugal in all her measurements and made sure that the food was going to stretch and the water would last as long as she was able to do so. Her hope of keeping her and her son alive would have dwindled away with every handful of flour that left that jar. And when Elijah said to the widow in verse 13, don't be afraid, 
Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there will always be, olive, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and crops grow again. So in hearing those words, even though she wasn't a believer, there was this sudden glimmer of hope. Her plan was to eat one more meal with her son and then wait to die. But in hearing those words that Elijah spoke, the widow chose to put her faith in Elijah's God, you know, the God of Israel. And she did just as he asked, and she baked him a small loaf of bread first. So this activated the miracle that she needed for her and her son. It also fulfilled what God told Elijah and that he would be fed by a woman in Zarephath. This woman gave to a stranger first and she gave out of her lack. She exercised genuine hospitality out of her poverty. When hope was spoken through the words of Elijah, she chose to partner with faith, and this totally changed her reality. God saw her. He knew what she needed beyond her physical need. But in order for the widow to see the real lack in her life, God needed to meet her physical need first. God was more interested in feeding her soul than feeding her stomach. You know, Elijah stayed on with this widow for about the next two years through the, um, the time of the famine. So you can imagine the stories and the conversations that they would have had over that time. You know, Elijah would have shared with this woman about all the different places that God had sent him to. And he would have shared about all the miracles and provisions that he would have witnessed and experienced for himself. A seed had to have been planted in the heart of that woman. You can't hear a story after story about the goodness and the faithfulness of God without and also experience firsthand her own miracle without something beginning to change on the inside. When I was a teenager trying to figure out this thing called life, I was, a, I was privileged to have, these, um, to have some older girls in my life who were Christians. And they loved God, they loved life, and they were just fun to be around. And they were the oldest siblings of my friends. And so I was often around at their place or one of their places. And whenever I was over there, we would always end up talking. And what was funny was we would start on some topic, but somehow they always were able to weave God into the conversation. And, um, and what, one of the things I loved about it was that they just wanted to keep talking about how real God was to them. And um, over time, instead of them trying to weave God into their conversations, I was just going up to them and I was asking them questions about God. I wanted to know things, I was curious, and I wanted to have what I could see in them. And it was through this relationship with these girls that, um, that just brought on the conversations which just happened so naturally that it caused me to think, okay, I want what they have. 
And um, I wanted the joy that just kind of radiated from their lives. And eventually one of them led me to the Lord. And so when I found that Elijah stayed with her over that, those two years, I mean, I couldn't help but think, you know, there would have been so many God stories and God conversations spoken over that time. And the woman would have felt safe enough to approach Elijah and ask whatever questions she had about God. The story goes on to say that um, the son got sick and then he got worse and then finally died. So she got upset and she said to Elijah, oh man of God, what have you done to me? Have you come here to punish me for my sins by killing my son? And so Elijah was devastated and he takes the boy and he cries out to God and God hears Elijah's prayers. God revives the boy back to life and Elijah gives him back to his mother. In verse 24 it says, then the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. God's ultimate desire through the, from the very first miracle wasn't just to meet a physical need, it was also to see transformation take place on the inside so that this woman would turn back to God. God was able to use the time that Elijah had with her to bring about an inner change where slowly but surely she came to know and believe for herself that he was the one true God. Colossians 4, verses 5 and 6 says, Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. There is power behind the words that we speak, just like the words Elijah spoke to that widow. So as we finish this morning, I just want to encourage you as a mum that even when it may not feel like it, God sees you right where you're at through what you're going through. And God works with whatever it is you have, no matter how small it can be. And God wants you to know him. So from one mother to another, I just want to pray for you all. Father, we just thank you for every single mum in this room. We thank you, Father, that you are bigger than any obstacle that any of them would face. And I pray, Father, that you will just reveal yourself to them and allow them just to be reminded that you see them, you know them, and you care about what happens to them. So I just speak a blessing over every single mum in this room. I thank you, Father, for what you're doing in and through them. And I pray, Lord, that you will just bless them abundantly today. Fill them afresh, Lord God, with your unconditional love. We praise you, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been another great message from Elam Church, Christchurch City. For more content and updates, come see us on our Facebook page or jump over to our website. Thanks so much for listening.